You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, so good to be able to bring the word this morning. And before we open up the word, um, our, our topic today is about marriage. So I thought we'd get some advice from kids and love and marriage. How does that sound? So Eric, he's six years old. He's got a lot, uh, a lot of ideas around marriage. So marriage for Eric is when you get to keep your girl and don't have to give her back to her parents. How does a person decide whom to marry? Well, Callie, age nine, says you flip a coin. Heads means you stay with them. Tails means you try the next one. <laughs> Carolyn, who is eight, says my mother says to look for a man who is kind. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm look for a man who's kind of tall. Kind of rich, kind of handsome. So. And then there's Bert. Bert's got it sussed. He's in kindergarten, but as soon as he leaves kindergarten, he says, I'm getting me a wife. So, uh, <laughs> but today we, we tackle a challenging topic, but a topic that needs to be talked about, needs to be addressed. We're looking at the seventh commandment, which reads in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. What is adultery? Adultery is sexual relations in which at least one participant is married to someone else. So where a covenant, a relationship of marriage is, is broken through this relationship. And so today, I want to talk about a fear-proofing our relationships. Because it's not just whether we're married or not. It's, it's, it's whether we're single and want to be married, single and we don't want to be married. You know, it's whether or not we are dating. Uh, maybe we are separated. Maybe we have gone through divorce. And the way that we would live our lives so that we can remain a fear free, that we would not commit adultery, that our hearts would be committed to those that we live alongside. And we live in a world where, where it is a, there is a growing sexual immorality, you know, a sex-soaked media. We're advertising, uh, sex is used to sell anything from Coca-Cola to cars. The, the commitment to remain faithful in marriage continues to come under increased pressure. And adultery is a breaking of a biblical covenant, a marriage set out by God, where God declares a marriage between, a covenant between God and a male and a female, a man and a woman. And we live in a world where there are many different, different definitions of marriage, of relationships, of sex, of gender. But when it comes to marriage, it's important that we understand the, the marriage that God blesses and God protects. So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 1, because when we read Scripture, when we read the text, it's important we understand the, the law of first mention. In, in the Bible, the law of first mention is the very first time God establishes a particular principle. When we read it for the first time, we get an understanding of what that actually means for us as individuals. It doesn't change as, as we, we become more relevant as a culture, that that principle, that truth still remains today as it did when God established it at the start. So Genesis 1 and 2, right at the very beginning, start of the Bible, this is what God says about man and woman and marriage. Genesis 1, 26 to 27, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. It goes on, Genesis chapter 2, 18 to 24. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll probably put in there, probably get himself in trouble, which is true. 
I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky, had brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for the gift of marriage. We thank you, God, that you've established it as a covenant between you and a man and a a female. Father, we thank you, God, that you put your hand of protection on that. And so, Father, today we want to understand what it means to live and walk faithfully before you and before others. Speak to us. Lord, if we are out of line, God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, not condemnation, but Lord, a a conviction that would say, I'm going to readjust. I'm going to realign my life with your standard, with your principle, so that we could live lives of faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Jesus was, was, when he talked about this topic, uh, they, were, they were saying, well, Moses permitted divorce. And, and this is what Jesus said, because he kind of weighed into the debate as to you know, what happens with, with, um, with marriage. And he says, Mark 10, 9, Therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, I understand even in this place, we've got people that have gone through divorce and separation. And I want to say there is, there is no guilt, there's no condemnation. There is, there is freedom and there is grace. And there are second chances and fifth chances and a hundred chances. And God wants us to come back to him with the, the, the things that have happened and the mistakes that we've made. And I, I, this, is not a, this is not a message to condemn. This is a message for us to realign ourselves with God's truth and principle. So what does it mean for us today? in our own nation where marriage itself has been redefined. And even by law now, looks different to what it used to be. It's very easy for us to say, well, we're in line with what the law says. But, but now in our world, in our, in our own nation, the, the, the statement of marriage is actually different. I think there was a similar scenario when, when Jesus was challenged about paying taxes. You know, they, they came to him and said, you know, your disciples, should they pay taxes? If you are the son of God, then this is your kingdom. Then, then should they even have to pay taxes? And Jesus said, well, give me a coin. And so he took the coin. He, there was Caesar's imprint on the coin. And he says, give to Caesar what is due to Caesar. In other words, yeah, we pay our taxes. We are under a government. So we do pay taxes because that's what's being asked of us. And then he says, but then give God what is God's. Our, our worship, our attention, our focus. And I truly believe that with marriage. Marriage is something that God ordained. God designed it. God created it. And when he said, I will put my covenant with this, there's a commitment that God places on the marriage between a man and a woman. Now, even if there is different definitions and standards out there, we don't have to fight it. We don't have to go against it. We we love and we serve and we bless people no matter where they stand, no matter what standard they, they hold to. But we can also hold to a biblical standard where God says, I will protect the covenant of marriage between a male and a female. And I want to encourage us today that the very best thing we could do, if you are married, that you would live faithfully with your spouse. Honor them, love them, serve them, treat them right. 
so that people would look at the way that we love one another and go, I like that. That makes sense. That, 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 that encourages my heart. And if you're not married, if you're, you're, you're single and you, one day you want to be married, then live your life in such a way that when that, that day comes and you do get to be married, it'll be an amazing celebration because you have remained faithful to God so that you can enjoy the blessing of marriage. And maybe you are not married and you have no intention to ever be married. That is a calling in itself. But you can still remain faithful to God and in every relationship that God is calling you into. Marriage is not easy. Marriage is tough at times. There's amazing benefits and blessings within marriage, but marriage is tough at times. It doesn't always go the way we want it to be. Even Amos agrees in uh, Amos 3.3, can two people walk together without first agreeing on the direction? You get two people with two different personalities. Amy and I are chalk and cheese. We're, We're quite different in so many different areas. And we are constantly trying to find common direction, common focus. It's tough, but man, it's fun, right? So, so amazing to know that in the tough times, you've actually got somebody there in the journey with you. I, I think friendships are easier because you can leave your friendship and give it some space and distance. But when you're married, you're there in the good and the bad. If it's a good day, you're still married and you're still in the home, right? You should be should stay in there even in the difficult times. Amy and I have often said the nature of transparency of marriage means that our spouse will often get the, the good and the bad. They'll get my best. Amy gets my best, but sadly, she also gets my worst. And I, hopefully our desire and our action proves that we would give our best more often than our worst. But I love uh, the fact that Amy and I are married. We're coming up with 23 years married. We're, we're on our journey. We're on our journey to 50. I love, I love, I love, I love celebrating these 50-year marriages. I think we've even got a 60-year marriage in this church. I just, I love it. I love seeing and celebrating those, those, those marriages that have test, lasted the test of time. Had children, sent children out, now children becoming children's you know, grandchildren. I love it. I love celebrating that. And we should celebrate every time marriage ticks over another year. Another year of faithfulness. Another year of being there together. So today I want to take a few minutes to look at some of the ways we can strengthen and affirm our relationships. And we can focus on all the negatives, but I'd I'd rather lean into the positives. I'd rather lean into the things that we can do today to add value to our relationships. It's all about faithfulness. When I get to heaven, I want to hear, this is all I want to hear. Well done, Mike. Good and faithful servant. That's it. Well done. You're faithful in your marriage. You're faithful as a father. You're faithful as a friend. You're faithful as a servant. That's all I want to hear. It's, it's as simple as it is. And so it's daily walking in this position of faithfulness. Out of J. John's book, with um, the series that we're talking about, um, a, a lot of the teaching has come from, from his research in the book that he wrote called 10. If you want to kind of take this deeper um, grab it, you can get it on uh, all, all, all the different places on Amazon and you know, on Kindle and all that kind of stuff. So grab it. But he talks about five R's, and I want to talk about those today uh, when it comes to strengthening our relationships. Number one is respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I can hear you sing that, Meets. So. <laughs> love is built on a foundation of mutual respect. Paul tells us in Ephesians, and I love this picture that he paints, of a husband and a wife, a husband that would lay down his life for his wife. And a, and, a, and a wife that would submit to a husband. 
a beautiful partnership, mutual submission to each other. He says, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I think one of the most horrific things to witness is spouses that, that put their, their own spouse down in public and speak negatively about them. I love it when, I, when I, I hear husbands speak so highly of their wife to somebody else. I love it when they build them up and they strengthen them and they, they add value. You know, let's, let's not, I mean, if there's something going on in our marriage, I, I'm going to sort that one out behind closed doors. I'm not going to take that out in public and ear that in front of everybody else. That's something that we have to work on. But let's speak highly. Let's make a commitment to speak highly of each other. Uh, someone once said you can bury a marriage with a whole lot of digs or a lot of little digs. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty powerful. Yeah, public lecture uh, was once advertised under the title, How to Make Your Wife Treat You Like a King. Oh, that's good, eh? So all the men turned up ready for this lecture. How my wife's going to treat me like a king? Packed house. Everybody there hear this incredible wisdom. He says, you want, you want your wife to treat you like a king? Treat her like a queen. It's like, oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. That mutual respect and love and honor. Respect is vital where there's no respect. More often it can lead to content. And at that point, you find yourself in a, in a workplace scenario where you, you actually find yourself having a conversation with somebody and they're listening to you more than your spouse listens to you. That's a dangerous ground to find yourself in. All of a sudden, they are paying more respect. They're looking you in the eye and they're, and they're really, wow. And at that point, you are on that, that really fragile ground. If you don't have respect within your own relationship, someone else may show you more respect than they do. And that's often where affairs begin. It's not an attraction for sex. It's often through somebody not receiving the respect that they, they deserve at home. And so they find it in somebody else and that attention and that affection leads to something more than that. Now, for those not married yet, I want to tell you, do not, our young ladies, do not, do not pursue any relationship with a guy that does not respect you and treat you right. Hold a high standard that they come up to. Hold it as high as you can. You got to love God, you got to love me, and you got to treat me right. If they don't come up to that standard, you just keep waiting because there is somebody that will be out there. Young men, you heard what I just said. That's enough. <laughs> and if all else fails, you can always take the advice of Dell, who age six says, tell them that you own a bunch of candy stores and that'll get them. <laughs> Number two is responsibility. One of the ways we can keep our relationship strong and healthy is to take responsibility. That means we fix the problem, not fix the blame. I, I, think, I think sometimes in our marriages we can spend so much energy fighting against each other rather than saying, here's a problem, here's how we need to fix it, let's fix it together with the resource we have together. Marriage is a covenant relationship, speaking of commitment and stickability rather than one based on feelings. If Honestly, if our marriage was determined by uh, the, the feelings I have on a day-to-day -day basis, our marriage is in big trouble. I mean, you know, when Liverpool lose, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not a happy guy. You know, and, and Amy may get the worst of it, but I'm, but I'm not living by my feelings. Not feel, I'm not living by my emotions. I'm aware of my feelings and my emotions, and I don't hide those. But at the same time, I don't make my decisions based on whether I'm feeling good one day and feeling bad the next. 
Because sometimes that's how we treat our marriages. I'm not feeling good today, so you're going to get the worst of me. No, no, I get to change how I respond with my feelings and my emotions. Here's six words we all need to practice in all of our relationships. It it, it can feel a little horrible coming out of our, our mouth, but give it a try. It'll work well for you. Please forgive me. I was wrong. It was like an audible gasp in the auditorium. Please forgive me. I was wrong. Now, you got to mean it when you're saying it. Because there's different ways you could say those six words and they don't actually really connect. (laughs) The eye roll and everything. But I'll tell you what, if there is an authentic and a genuine, please forgive me. I was wrong. That's the way relationships get healed. Broken relationships get restored. Right, the wrongs are made right. Uh, Over the last couple of years, God keeps bringing me back to a particular passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2. In in all of my relationship, my relationship with Amy, my relationship as a a leader, as as a pastor, as a friend, I keep God just keeps bringing me back here because I'm realizing how much selfishness and pride I, I still carry within my heart. And God keeps bringing me back, reminding me back in this, and I'm finding so much strength and courage within this passage. It says, Do, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And it goes on and it says, Jesus being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, even though we had the title of God, he didn't reach out and he didn't lord that over anybody else. Instead, he became obedient and even obedient to death on the cross. In our attitudes and our relationships, we've got to have that same attitude as Christ. To be humble, gentle, kind. We've got to take responsibility for our actions. Come on, if we're wrong, we're wrong. Some of us are sitting in this room and and you're on the wrong side of your argument. (laughs) And you're holding your ground. Come on, just take responsibility. I'm sorry. Please forgive me, I was wrong. And rebuild what needs to be rebuilt. Proverbs 13.3, I really like this. We could all just live off this verse, I reckon. Self-control means controlling the tongue. A quick retort can ruin everything. (laughs) Everything I think does not need to come out of my mouth. There are a lot of things that I think that that kind of come into my brain and swirl and swirl around in my brain. And if I said everything I thought, you would not want me up here preaching. Thankfully... I've learned and I'm learning to take those thoughts and go, that is not a godly thought. That is not a holy thought. That is not helpful. That's not even kind. Sadly, they don't always stay in here. They do come out. Anyone ever guilty of saying something they shouldn't say? Anyone do that this morning, just on their way to church? (laughs) But we can make that decision to control our tongue. Next one is relate. We need to be able to relate, believe it or not, when you're married, in your relationships. Relating to one another is so important. One Gallup poll found that the average husband and wife spend less than 10 minutes a day in conversation with each other. And I'm like, there are some days. I mean, I hop into bed, I'm like, hey, you look familiar. 
we're just cr- crossing paths with dropping kids to school and sport and all these kind of things. And then we make dinner and we get the kids to bed and we might just chill out for, for an hour. And then we, it's like, hey, do, do we even talk? Did I kiss you today? And so, sometimes actually that's, that's what our days look like. But we have to make time in our relationships. You want to build a good relationship, you've got to spend time investing, relating to each other. Proverbs 13, 7, another bit of gold from from the Word of God. Reliable communication permits progress. If we really work on our communication, we can move forward. We can grow a stronger marriage. Our marriages should not fade out. They they shouldn't hit a high point and and then just kind of dwindle out. Our marriages should be building right through to the last breath we take getting stronger and stronger, that we would become pillars in our community, that people go, I want, I want to hear your wisdom. Making time to listen, so important. The advice we were given is uh, keep dating even when you get married. Keep dating your spouse. You don't stop dating because it's so important that you build that relationship. Amy and I, every week we try on a Friday to go out for, a, for coffee and we'll, we'll sit over the table and we'll get our calendar out. We'll actually look at, you know, what do we need to do this week in order to get all of our kids to all their programs and what have you got on that night and what have you got on? And, and so, so we, we cover all of that and then we try and connect. How are we actually doing? How's our money? How's our relationship going? What are the areas that are going well? Now, I can tell when, when we have given that time away, when, we've, when it's been stolen or we've actually let that time go. We've chosen something else to be more important than that. Because we get irritable. We get, we get frustrated with each other. We, we are muttering around the house. And, you know? It's not a, not a happy, healthy place to be. And probably because we've missed each other. You know the three most important parts of a marriage? Remember this. It'll be really, just write it down. Communication. 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 Get that part sorted. And everything, every part of your relationship, I believe, gets right. Because we're always going to be talking about it. Talking about how things are going in our relationship and our parenting and and, and our friendship. Keep talking, keep talking and listening. Communication is not just talking, it's listening and understanding and seeking clarification. And then number four, romance. We serve a God who loves romance. God's a romantic God. He woos us. His description of the church as a a bride and a bridegroom. He's building, he's growing, he's developing his church as the bride of Christ. He's romantic in the way he he describes that. Did you know that God is pro-sex? He created it after all. He thought this would be a great idea. This would be a great way to keep a male and a female in marriage together. Let's give them something that not only procreates, creates other humans, but one that would bring a husband and wife together, that bonding together. But hey, let's make it fun and enjoyable. Sex is a great gift from God. But outside of marriage, outside of a faithful, trusting, intimate relationship, it can cause great damage and pain and hurt and shame. So sex is supposed to be within a marriage and supposed to be enjoyed within in a marriage. And it's a gift from God. But romance is, is, is more than just sex too. It's, it's, it's relationship, it's sowing into it, speaking life. I love this song of songs, um, 3, 9 to 10. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. 
You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice. Gentlemen, on your way home, grab a card from the, from the petrol station. Write Song of Songs 3, 9 to 10 in there. You're welcome. Maybe some flowers to go with it. I, we bought a house with 25 rose bushes, but Amy still wants me to buy her flowers. It's like, that's cool. I get that. I'm reminded. Sometimes she has to remind me, and I, I do try to do that. <laughs> and then we've got resolve. We've got to make a commitment to, to stay in this thing. Let's not quit. Let's not give up. When the storm comes, it's coming. If, 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 you, if you haven't just come out of a storm or you're in the middle of it, you're, you're heading into one. That is life. Life's tough. Life's hard. It's not easy, but man, we can make a result, a resolution in our hearts to stick with it. We've got to make a firm commitment to faithfulness, fidelity, and honesty. Trying times are not the times to stop trying. Sometimes we stop trying because it gets too hard. Those are the very times we've got to lean into the strength, be strong and courageous, as Jaden shared with us this morning. Come on, be strong and courageous in our marriages. Let's be strong and courageous and hold the ground that the enemy wants to take and say, no, no, I am standing there. And you know what? Some of our men, we need to be praying for our marriages. Don't leave the prayer up to our wives. Come on. We need to be the praying husbands that would actually stand in prayer for the protection and the covering of our family. I once asked my my mum, who's been married to my dad, how many years are you guys, 48, 49? 47 years, coming up 50. Love my mum and dad. Love that they support Amy and I and what we do here. But, but I asked them, I think it was about six or seven years ago, what's the secret to success? And they said, loyalty and kindness. Just depositing loyalty and kindness consistently into your relationship. You know, we, we have savings account. <laughs> and that savings account, when that, that gets emptied and we need to make a withdrawal and there's nothing there, we're in trouble. It's like our relationships. We've got to keep depositing into our relationships so that at the right time, we've got to draw those finances out. It's got to happen. We've got to draw that part of our relationship out in the way that we love one another. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 is a team come this morning. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. As we close today, I just want to bring three last thoughts. In order to make sure that our, our relationships are strong, that we have fear-proof our marriages, that we put strength within our relationships. Number one is we've got to make Christ the center of our relationship. If Jesus isn't first and foremost in our relationship then we're going to be left in our own strength. And my strength is not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not kind enough. I'm not faithful enough on my own. I need Christ at the center of every relationship. Marriage, work, friendships. Christ has to be central. In a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone to pray a prayer to make Jesus first, foremost in your life, the center of your relationships. When Amy and I were married, Christ became a part of who we are. We, we came loving God and having a relationship with Him. 
But when we came together, we were asking God for his help, his strength, that we would become that three-strand cord. Amy, Mike, God, interwoven together, becoming one. Without Christ in the center of our relationships, I am prone to selfishness. I'm prone to pride, arrogance. But with Christ surrendering, submitting daily to him, my relationship stands a chance. I'd encourage all of us to think about that in all of our relationships. Whether you're single, married, wanting to be married, not wanting to be married. All of us are in relationship with different people. And God wants to be first, to be central in everything. Second thing is we've got to guard our hearts and minds. Jesus, when speaking about adultery, says, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has, not, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In our mind, our hearts, dreams are conceived, inventions, business ideas, callings, visions from God. Incredible things can take place in our mind. But also, fantasy, inappropriate thoughts that lead down to that place that leads to adultery and unfaithfulness. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take, every, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I talked about those thoughts that, that kind of bleh, flow out of us. <laughs> we got to take those thoughts captive. Say, God, I'm, I'm thinking that, but that's not holy. I surrender that thought to you. I won't speak that out. I'm going to surrender that to you. I'm going to commit that to you. Third area is we've got to guard our behavior. We have to make good decisions in how we act towards others. I'm very, very careful in the way I, I, I respond and react and relate to people of the opposite sex. It's important that I honor Amy by honoring others. Job 31, one, I, I, I love this passage. I memorized this as a, as a young teenager and I'd encourage every young teenager to, to memorize this, to get this passage. Job 31.1, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I, that I will not look lustfully at a girl, a young girl, any girl. We must choose to make wise decisions. I love that Joseph was tempted and he didn't stay around to see how strong he was. I've got this, I've got this. He ran. He's like, I don't think I've got what it takes to stand here and not fall. And he just ran. I love that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And I love this. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. He's faithful. And if today you're saying, well, I've, I've, I've fallen, I've, I've failed. Maybe we have committed adultery. Maybe we are living in a relationship right now that is not honoring to God. What do we do with that? We come to God. We say, God, this is where, this, you know the state of my heart. You know the state of my relationship. You know where my mind goes. You know where my thoughts are. He's not surprised by it. And your value has not changed because of it. God loves you. You are a child of God, so dearly loved by Him. But He also sets in place a way to exist in relationship 
that he says, I will protect, I will honor. And if we're outside of that, we just need to come back to God and say, God, please forgive me. I was wrong. We surrender. Get our lives right with God again. And we make the steps, we take the steps in order to live right with God and with others. There's no no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not a a message to condemn, but, but sometimes these messages convict. They stir our hearts to go, I've got to make changes. Don't try to do it in our strength, but we say, God, I need your help because God is faithful. Remember, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. So today, I just want to pray a prayer for all of us. And then I want to give an invitation for anyone who has never yet given their life to Christ, surrendered their hearts to Him. I just want to pray a prayer of, of, of a commitment to faithfulness, whether we're single, whether we're married. God, I pray for every heart, every mind here today. God, I thank you that we can be faithful because you have first been faithful. Thank you, God, that our our strength is in you. That, Lord, where we've failed in our flesh, where we've lusted after, desired something that was, was not ours to have, God, we say, please forgive me. I was wrong. God, I pray for every heart that's, that's, that's torn at the moment, every heart that's broken, every person that has experienced the pain and the destruction of separation or divorce. God, I pray, Lord, for a, a renewing of a love with you. And Lord, a return to your ways, your desire, your plan, your purpose. Lord, no condemnation in Christ but freedom. And God, I pray for every person here today that hasn't yet surrendered their heart and their life to you. You know, the Bible tells us that sin is what separates us from a relationship with God. But Jesus in his mercy gave himself as a sacrifice for the sin that I committed, the sin that you committed. That would be atoned for, that would be paid for. The debt paid. And he, he extends an invitation for anyone who would have faith, anyone who would believe, to receive forgiveness, and a hope and a future in Him. Right across this place, I want to pray a prayer. If you've never prayed that prayer, or today, you realize you've been away from God and God has called you home, and this is your heart response saying, God, I want to return back to you. Would you pray that prayer with me today? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you are faithful. And that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. I was wrong. I turn from my old way of living. I choose to follow you. And I ask you to be Lord of my life. Thank you for your gift of salvation. I receive it today. In Jesus' name. I want to do one last thing. If you pray this prayer, we want to help you take your next steps, celebrate with you. Get you involved in a, in a small group and connect with some other people that can help you 
in your journey with Christ. So with every head bowed, I close right across this place. On the count of three, we just lift your hand and say, yeah, I prayed that prayer. I want to take my next step in Jesus. One, God loves you. Two, your sins have been forgiven. Three, if you prayed that prayer, just stick your hand up nice and high. I can see it and you can put it back down again. Anyone here this morning? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.